Welcome to Federal Insights for March, part of the Digital Modernization Series discussing managed services, sponsored by GDIT. Welcome and thanks for joining us. My guest today is A.J. McNamara. He's the Director of Managed Services at GDIT. A.J., good to have you with us. Thank you for having me. Managed services changes over the decades. So why don't we start with a definition of managed services in the modern contemporary sense? Yeah, absolutely. Managed services are really all about outcomes. Rather than paying for labor hours or hardware or software costs, what you're paying for is that outcome. And really to adopt a managed service, what the provider is going to do is they're going to lead that client through a cultural change where they take on not only responsibility, but accountability for delivering to this well-defined set of outcomes. And accountability is really found a foundation to this. It really enables a true partnership. And I guess it's implicit in the idea of, of the outcome-based thought of looking at this, but what are the benefits of modern managed services to federal agencies? Yeah, the really the biggest benefit of managed services to federal agencies is their ability to focus on their mission rather than running IT in, in this case. And there's some other really common um, benefits that include to transfer risk, drive innovation, and drive a predictable and often lower cost. Got it. And let's maybe talk about some examples of the types of services that can drive these costs, drive these different types of outcomes. Yeah, we offer a complete range of services from cyber to cloud to digital uh, modernization. And some common managed services include service desk, security operations center as a service, network as a service. And let's just take an example of Security Operations Center as a service. When we deliver that, we're not just delivering the people associated with it, we're delivering the complete set um, of tooling necessary, such as a SIM tool, so that you can get the, to the outcome that you want. And I was, as I was saying earlier, managed services are really not limited to just IT. It could be really anything. I think a good example of that is what we're doing with Arkansas contact tracing. So everyone's really familiar with the contact tracing operations across the US and across the world right now. And what we're doing is we're, we're providing that for the state of Arkansas. We have over 350 people supporting this. And that includes people who are contact tracers, nurses. But at the end of the day, what the state of Arkansas is purchasing is contact tracing. And we're using some technology that we have available to us to make it such that when we're reaching out to potential contacts, we're being able to be much more successful at reaching them through um, texting them right before we call them so that they know that this is a legitimate call and that they're more likely to answer. So in many ways, you're providing a government function more than just a service that's a part of a function in that particular case. What are some of the technologies? What are some of the personnel requirements or assets that you bring to something like contract tracing, which is a pretty multi-component type of activity? Yeah, I mean, with contact tracing, like I mentioned, we're providing not only people who are doing the contact tracing, but the nurses who can understand the policies that the government has put out. But I think what we really look to do is how can we apply technology to deliver that in a more effective way? So we're using our automatic call distribution as a service offering and some key things that we've learned from contact center and running those for FEMA, for example, and other agencies. Okay, and uh, again, what would the benefits be then? This is the whole state of Arkansas. It comes out less expensive for them to do and 
what are some of the other benefits you feel that they derive? Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, what they really want to do is help get COVID under control in their state. And what we're doing is we're just helping them to enable that functionality and they can focus on other initiatives like getting vaccines out. Got it. Uh, what are some other examples? You mentioned help desk, uh, network. How do some of those work? With um, service desk and network uh, as a service, for example, what we're really looking to do, I mean, I think this all goes back to the end of the day, what is the outcome that the client's looking to achieve? And truly understanding what that outcome is. So certainly we do provide service desk and network as a service as um, options. So for example, with network as a service, we provide LAN, WAN, MAN, Wi-Fi. So what you can do is you can focus on um, your mission instead of focusing on running the network. And I think another thing we often see with network is that oftentimes there's not investment made in networks because you know, they're either working or not from a lot of people's perspective. And through putting this as a managed service, we can prioritize in innovation and investment. I see. So that would require then the agency to have a pretty clear idea of what the outcome it wants from that network. And when you talk about the different parts of the network, the local area network, the wide area network, the metropolitan area network, and so forth, each one of those has its own performance parameters and requirements, its own technology. So it sounds like a lot of upfront work is really necessary for that type of managed service to, to give everybody what they want. Yeah, absolutely. There needs to be, in, in order for managed services to truly be successful, there really needs to be a clear, clear understanding of what, what the goals are, what, what's the why of doing this, and what are the outcomes that are being looked to achieve if, you just go into it thinking you can just outsource service desk, for example. Um, you know, you're not going to be successful unless you're actually thinking about the why, what are the measures that go into this to be successful. It, it really, it's really important that all those are considered. Yeah. So in the case of a network, for example, uptime might be one, throughput speeds. In the case of, say, a service desk, the number of calls resolved in a certain amount of time, those kinds of things. So I imagine one of your challenges as a provider is to kind of force the agency, the client, to make sure that they're really sharp on their requirements going in, or maybe say, when you have good requirements, let's talk some more. Yeah, and that, that's not to jump too far ahead, but that's why we often look at transitional approach to adopting managed services as well, because it oftentimes we, we appoint that service transition manager who acts as that person to help the agency through identifying what are the key metrics, key measures, as well as how do they value these different things um, so that they're deriving the most value possible as quickly so when as you possible. say transitional, that is to say step-by-step step through service-by-service service till you have a whole function, as we talked about, say, in contact tracing? Exactly. Yes. It's really looking at what is that specific one outcome and what's the service or services that uh, help uh, support that. So when you mentioned transitional services, the step-by-step -step approach, uh, GDIT also has the concept of transformational managed services. So is that simply the sum of all the transitions in a given area or can it be approached transformationally from the outset? Yeah, I mean, we really have two different approaches just to kind of circle back to looking at how we would, uh, adopt and help clients adopt managed services, one of them being transitional and one of them being transformational. So we talked a little bit about transitional. 
as far as transformational, the big thing is more that we're really taking an approach where what are the set of services or service that can be transformed into a new managed service delivery model in relatively short order. So for example, at the VA, we helped to transform 12 disparate help desks into one unified service desk, supporting more than 55,000 calls per week in what seemed like an overnight process to the users impacted. So that's really what transformational is, whereas transitional you know, is something that we're going at more service by service. It certainly could be that you're transforming a service as part of a transitional approach, overall transitional approach. Um, you might see that more with like services that are considered low hanging fruit. Service desk is usually one of those. Um, but transitional is where you're taking generally a more slow approach to quickly to get buy-in and overcome barriers to change. And in that example of a more transformational one where the service desk just flipped over basically one night, it must take a lot of groundwork before you flip that switch because, you know, in a 55,000 call per week situation, you've got a lot of users, a lot of devices, a lot of software, and your call center could light up like a Christmas tree if everything's not in place the day that flips over. So what are some of the foundational steps agencies need to make sure that they have in place and that they ask for from the managed service provider? Yeah, it, it, it really does take a lot of planning. It's not something you can just, although our, whole, our hope with transformational is that from an end user pr perspective, that nothing changed, right? It was, or very little changed. It was a very seamless change that they didn't really need to prepare for. It was just something that happened. But in order for that to be successful, it's not something that can just be done um, without serious planning and serious work, groundwork to take place. I mean, with the example of the VA, that was something that was planned for around three months to um, make sure that that first day was successful. I think depending on what the service is, is going to depend, what is going to determine what kind of steps you should be taking. You know, with service desk, I mean, we generally look at it from three primary angles, one of them being the service desk and its people, uh, the agents on the service desk itself, whereas the, as well as the ITSM platform. And then finally, the um, automatic call distribution service, which enables that call-free number and then hopefully omni-channel support. And is so, one of the services or ancillary services along with the direct help desk to the users, some output of metrics, dashboard type of information for the agency to know that they're getting what it is they're hoping they get uh, from the standpoint of their users? Yeah, me metrics are, are crucial and it, it all comes back to outcomes, you know, like we were talking about earlier. What are the goals you're looking to achieve? What are the outcomes? I mean, we do have certainly certain um, services or certain metrics that are common across specific services. So, you know, you, like, I think you mentioned earlier that service desk, you might be interested in on how many people are calling, maybe the average speed of answer, for example, is another metric you might be really interested in, how fast that people are answering the phone, um, what, how many times people are resolving that initial call and the, in that initial call. Those are some really common metrics. And I imagine looking at the metrics over time, the agency gets some real good insight into where the pressure points are and that working with, say, a GDIT, they can resolve those and maybe it goes down to 50,000 calls or 40,000 calls. Yeah, I mean, with Service Us, one of the key things we really look at is uh, a concept called shift left service desk, where we're 
really aiming to move calls that we're getting to self-service options or to frankly be incidents that never even happen at all. Um, I think another key thing is over time, you should be constantly evaluating these measures that you have. What might be good one year might, might not be a very good metric the next year. So it's something that should probably be being re reviewed annually or some regular basis. I guess nothing in this life is set and forget. On that note, we'll take a short break. My guest is A.J. McNamara, the Director of Managed Services at GDIT. And I'm your moderator, Tom Temin. This is Federal Insights, part of the Digital Modernization Series, discussing managed services sponsored by GDIT here on Federal News Network. We depend on IT every day to connect. This requires technology and practices that are constantly evolving to overcome changing demands. General Dynamics Information Technology accelerates the modernization of legacy IT environments and deploys advanced digital ecosystems. Automation, managed services, software-defined networking, 5G IT infrastructure. GDIT modernizes the entire IT enterprise to power agency missions. GDIT, accelerate the power of modernization. Learn more at federalnewsnetwork.com, search digital modernization. Welcome back to Federal Insights, part of the Digital Modernization Series. The topic of this week's discussion is managed services, sponsored by GDIT here on Federal News Network. My guest today is AJ McNamara, the Director of Managed Services at GDIT. I'm Tom Temin. And AJ, before we were had a break, we were talking about some examples of managed services. In one case, a state went to contract tracing for COVID. Another case, agencies turn over help desk to a, a company like GDIT, which gets to the question of how does an agency go about the decision process? What should they be thinking about when deciding what functions or what processes they would like to get out of doing themselves and get that outcome via a managed service? What are some of the decision trees that they have to go through? Oftentimes what we see is that a lot of um, opportunities for managed services come from cases where there's already some kind of outsourcing relationship and that that's not really providing the full end-to-end -end aspects of what that agency is expecting. And what we can do with providing this managed services really go back to, again to the outcome that they're looking to achieve and make sure we're delivering to that complete set of outcomes rather than having them have to worry about, do I have enough labor here? Do I have enough um, hardware, software? It's really to what do I need to do to get to that outcome? And what we often see to get along this journey is that we need to have access to um, data to understand what the opportunities are and that's what we do with a lot of times we do with our transitional kind of uh, approach. Yeah. So the implication there, this is not just a throw it over to GDIT and we'll see you next Friday. It's really a relationship that has to be ongoing because as a managed services provider, you do need access to assets that are the agencies. Is that correct? Yeah. Or oftentimes we're also providing assets in place of the agency. So they're not having to deal with uh, managing these assets that are involved in delivering this service. But yeah, I mean, data transparency uh, on both, both ways is definitely a foundational element. Because yes, if you're handling the technology and it's your technology base, say for a help desk, nevertheless, it's their users, their IDs, their profiles, their, their network identities and that kind of thing, which is in your hands. So that there's a high level of trust in this whole uh, relationship, correct? 
Yeah, and we really look to aim to be in a true partnership with whomever we're working with. All right. And how do you walk agencies through what those proper deliverables, those outcomes might be? Because again, they're used to operating something themselves and they have a different point of view than a vendor that may have 25 clients in industry and government doing the same thing. There could be metrics, there could be operational modes that the agency isn't even aware of, but you are. So does that come into play when, when planning all of this? Yeah, absolutely. We, we really use our over 20 years of experience to you know, develop like what I would say are playbooks um, to understand how we provide this. And unfortunately, like you said, we deliver this across a wide range of different agencies and customers that helps us understand a wide range of perspectives that they have. Um, but it really ultimately comes back to the agency knowing itself well and being able to, for us to partner with them to apply these best practices. All right. And getting from the best practices to the outcomes, to the details, that seems to be a transition point that's critical. In other words, the outcome might be, well, I want a network that's always up from the endpoint all the way to the data center, but that actually gets into very specific deliverables in terms of the WAN performance and the LAN performance and so on. And it could be different on Saturday night versus Monday morning and all of this kind of stuff. So how do you walk agencies through the translation of outcomes into details of what it is that should be in a service level agreement, such that again, there's some reasonableness to what they're paying for, what you're delivering, and they still get that top line outcome. Yeah, like you said, service level agreements is really how we translate the outcomes, the metrics into what the needs are and how we deliver to them. And I think one challenge, I mean, you mentioned it, a common one is uptime um, for like the network. I think one challenge we see is though, oftentimes these measures are outputs rather than outcomes. And if we consider the case where there's a system that you are that you use to file a financial report and it must be done on one day each quarter. And that system is, let's say available every day about that one day, that quarter, um, your availability metrics might look perfect, you know, might pass, might be really great. But you failed in delivering that outcome, which was ensuring that that report was submitted on that day and making sure that system was available for that. In other and words, so that's what's really critical is that we isolate what the outcomes are and measure those, not, out, not outputs. Yeah. So if the delivery date is Friday afternoon and you are open all the time and it goes down on Friday afternoon, then it looks good on the numbers, but it's not really the outcome. Exactly. All right. And this idea of prioritizing the first movers, uh, you mentioned that perhaps it's where you already have a relationship that is using that uh, transitional approach and building on that. Is that generally how you find agencies go about it? Yeah. I mean, we generally see that we're able to apply our 20 plus years of experience to understand what are the first movers that are available. You know, oftentimes, um, some common first movers we see are service desk or security operations center as a service. Those are some examples we've talked about you know, in the past uh, few minutes, but it's not always the case. It really comes back to the agency knowing itself and knowing what, what are their pain points? What are the areas where maybe there's not been the right level of investment in that might free them up to focus on uh, some other areas? I imagine the security operations center, that's a tough one because 
you've got so much riding on what it does in terms of cybersecurity itself of the agency. And so what, what's a good approach to kind of that handoff? Because the agency knows its assets better than anyone in terms of where the vulnerabilities might be, what their CDM program, for example, is turning out. So that sounds like one where you really have to get deep in together before that handoff is made. Well, I mean, I think that's true of all managed services. I mean, there's certainly ones that there's lesser extent to that, but it goes back to the, the data sharing, the true partnership that we need to have. When we do take over a service like Security Operations Center, um, you know, we're often providing, like I was saying earlier, the tooling as well to do this. But one of the first steps we do is really a data, a discovery of the current state making sure the CMDB is update with the up to date with the current information and understanding where the current vulnerabilities are, doing a baseline of where the current state is. So, you know, if going back to service level agreements, if there's a service level agreement that says you'll be um, responding to and resolving security incidents within one hour, for example, and they're currently taking five hours, maybe that's not a realistic measure at first. Sure. And I wanted to explore the idea of who the managed service provider comes in contact with. And we've talked about a couple of examples. In the case of help desk, it would be the agency employees to know that when they call the help desk, they're dealing with a contractor. In the case of the contact tracing for the state of Arkansas, in that case, you're dealing with the public, constituents, voters, and taxpayers that are may or may not know that they're dealing with a contractor. And so what are some of the touch point human-to-human considerations agencies need to think of when they're going to put a contractor in place acting in, instead of a, of a federal or a state employee? So to your point, exactly. I mean, we need to be really careful when we select um, personnel to support these roles and understand what are the government requirements for, for it. And that's a key aspect of the services we deliver is really making sure that we're providing people who have the right level of skills, but also have the right kind of competency to handle these situations. And we've talked about some specific services, help desk, security operations center, network, and even contract tracing. What other ones do you see as good potential or what are people asking for as, agency, as agencies move to this whole model of managed services? What's the next wave of types of services that you see demand for, or you should see demand for if they knew what they could get? Yeah, I mean, I think the way we will really look at it is we have kind of this two, two different views. One of them being, here's kind of our set of standard foundational set of services that um, support mainly IT aspects. And then the other, other way we look at this is really, what are some of the more mission specific services that we can partner with specific agencies to deliver. And that these are things that are going to be really dependent on those agency needs. So they're not things that we necessarily would be coming up with, but things that that agency would be coming up with and we'd be assisting to get to that outcome. Like if they have a high volume, say, of, of uh, document handling, you might be able to do scanning, that sort of thing. Exactly. All right. There's a lot to think about. I want to thank today's guest, AJ McNamara, the Director of Manager Services at GDIT. Great to have you with us. Thank you for having me. I'm Tom Temin. You've been listening to Federal News Network. For more on this discussion, please visit federalnewsnetwork.com and search GDIT. Thank you for listening to Federal Insights for March. 
part of the Digital Modernization Series discussing managed services. Sponsored by GDIT on Federal News Network.